This episode of the Horse Feed UK podcast has been brought to you by Arena Northwest magazine, the UK's free premier equestrian magazine. Check out the digital editions online today at arenanorthwestmagazine.co.uk. Hi guys, welcome back to episode 12 of the Horse Feed UK podcast. Can you believe that it's been six months since we started the show? We're really glad to have you join us again and for this episode we've got Dan. He's a sports psychologist who specialises in equestrian disciplines. He's on board to help us and give us some amazing handy hints and tips. On from this, if you do have any questions, you can feel free to contact Dan and we're going to have him back again soon to feature on the show. Up next, we've got a little bit of a snippet from mine and Amy's weekend. And of course, towards the end of the show, stay tuned for our ride review and social media shout outs. If you've got any questions or you want to give us some feedback on this episode, as always, you can contact us at thehorsefeeduk.co.uk and or follow us on Instagram at thehorsefeeduk. So we're here today at Warren Farm, NCPA clinic, is that right Ems? It is, yeah. And you've just done one, what do you call them, class session? <laughs> yeah, we'll go with session. We'll go with session. Oh, that's wide. Um, so Amy's just done a session, who was your session with Ems? Amy Smith. And sorry, I've just asked this question, but for the podcast, who is Amy Smith? She is the current working hunter at M&M. Hoy's champion. Ah, right, okay. She so. does a lot of work in Hunter and a lot of clinics and stuff as well. So, so, so does her sister. Right, so top of the game, reigning yeah. champion. She knows what she's doing. It looked really interesting. How did you find it? Really good, yeah, because obviously we did Harmony. I booked on the 70 centimetre session. Um, it's been a while since we've done workers with Harmony, for one thing or another, because I've been concentrating on getting carry out, getting her jumping. Mm-hmm. So it's just nice to have a bit of a change with her. So, yeah, it was nice to know that my striding's come on a lot, but one big thing I got out of it was to try Martingale with her because she was having a little look at things and she said it'll just help me keep her straight which is something that no one's ever said to me before so yeah good it's good I'm, I'm awful, yeah. We didn't, I didn't get any photos of the first one, which was very hot. just been over to Galloping Geldings to, to um, buy a new one there and we've just entered the raffle. What was the raffle for? Just to support the NCPA because obviously they've not had much of a season so it's just to give a little bit of something back because they are a registered charity and a lot of people don't realise that some of these societies are. I didn't know it was a charity. Yeah and they do a lot of training bursaries and stuff so this isn't the first clinic they've put on. They do have a couple of shows still left in fact there's one here tomorrow which I think why a lot of people are coming out just to see the jumpsuit here <laughs> not been anywhere for so long yeah. it's nice to get out so yeah it's just her way of giving something a little back right 
right now so we've just bought some tickets for that and we're going to go over and chat to galloping gelding shortly um i don't know if you can hear that in the background but we are on location as i said up at warren farm for any of you that guessed where we were from our instagram story that's where we are today so if you're local if you've been to warren farm do let us know give us a tag in and we will give you a shout out on the show hi dan how are you hi sam i'm not too bad how about yourself no, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show. We really appreciate it. Um, just for our sort of our listeners, do you want to just tell them a little bit about your background and sort of what you're on to discuss today? Yeah, of course. Well, thank you very much for for having me on on the podcast. It's uh, it's a real honour to be on. So, for your listeners who don't know me, uh, my name is Dan Petho. I'm a trainee sports psychologist and. I prefer to call myself a mental fitness coach or a performance psychology coach. I currently specialise within the within the equestrian world um, across all disciplines uh, and all ranges, from the novice levels and the grassroots, all the way up to the elite level. And I've worked across a a plethora of sports, both in in the civilian world and also in the military settings to which I'm part of. I'm also a rider. I have represented the the British Army in the and the UK Armed Forces in show jumping, both here in the in the UK and across on mainland Europe. Um, I've competed in the Netherlands and and also in France um, a few years back, which was actually really good. Um, in my spare time, I'm a British Army reservist, and my future aspirations where I want to go is to support more mental resilience training and mindfulness and mental well-being support yeah. for service yeah. personnel and also support injured soldiers in, in certain programmes such as uh, the Invictus Games or, or the Battle Back. And Dan's being very modest there. Um, he's touched very lightly sort of on his own background, but he's actually he's done an awful lot of work whilst... Is it while you were studying, Dan, and, and to get you to where you are now that sort of got you into the equestrian side of things because you have worked with some some good organizations and names haven't you <laughs> yes um so when i was doing my undergraduate degree i specialize within the equestrian world and i actually got this got it published in, in 2017 so i looked at the psychological principles and what is it that riders need within the novice going up to the sub elite level across all all equestrian sports what is it that pushes them further so was it motivation was it coach athlete relationship was it physical and mental preparations so I, I looked at all of these different areas across about 600 riders um, and for an undergraduate uh, dissertation it was quite quite difficult I must say but we got there and I um, I took it to Spain and I presented it at the World Congress of the performance analysis of sport, and I think I was one of the only um, only people uh, in its ten year history that's actually done equine research. So I got that published, and um, I wanted to work on it in 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 my postgrad uh, when I did my masters in um, at Sheffield Hallam. But what I ended up doing instead was I was working with the the British Equestrian Federation sports psychologist who just happened to be my supervisor. And I did a bit of work for the, uh, the British Equestrian Federation in terms of their talent development pathway. So 
I looked at the what psychological attributes, what type of persona or personality or these different areas in psychology that we need to take us from sub-elite and uh, project us onto the super-elite. But we looked at that side, and then we also looked at the optimal learning environment. What environment do riders need to really work going forward, right. also working on the... The, the the psychological attributes so that ends up um culminating being the official guidelines um part for the it's like british equestrian federation talent development program and i believe they've been working on it since but it was uh, it was quite nice to uh, to, <laughs> to get working uh, with them well, if I'm, if I'm... quite a grounding there dan and, and, and quite an undertaking sort of for you and, and and obviously like you touched on sort of research and everything that perhaps hasn't really necessarily been picked up on before obviously we're talking in relate in relation to sports and sports psychology do you see because I think in terms of sort of maybe other sports, we've, we've joked on this on the podcast in the past when we've spoken to people and people have said, like, you know, you go to the Olympics or what have you and you see, you know, the, the other competitors and it's very much mindset and it's very much sports psychology. And then you sort of you see the riders and don't get me wrong, I, I appreciate that, you know, top level, <laughs> they're, they're training, they're competing, they're working on their own fitness. and But we're, as equestrians, a little bit late maybe to the sports psychology game, would you say? Yeah, it, the equestrian world is 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 a tricky one. It's it's one of them whereby they're still a little bit hesitant to research, but we have come a long way. So, it, I mean, I'm sure your riders um, and your listeners, even even myself and, and probably even you, have have experienced it, whereby you you're learning something, whether you're in the saddle, or you're on the ground, and you might ask why a certain movement is done in a certain way and a teacher might say oh well that's the way i was taught and then that's the way they were taught and and the, the their teachers were taught and their teachers yeah. were taught and without the research yes it, we, we have to carry on with it as if well we've done it like this before so why the do we why? Need to... there's no answer to the why question is there really in in, in some cases and i think as riders we're sort of we don't necessarily question we think oh you know and then a lot of it is nice like like you come from the army and everything like that and it's nice and the horses especially in the equestrian community are steeped in tradition and, and you know things have been done like this for a long time but I don't think it ever hurts to understand the, the why as to why things do and are you finding that more riders are questioning and asking that that now yeah yeah completely so when i was doing my um my undergraduate i actually went to liverpool for the um i think i believe it was the it was the, the one of the veterans show it was one of the uh the final amateurs um it, this was back in november of, oh, it must have been 2015 and there was a couple of riders who, who were really in, uh, you know i was handing out questionnaires and a few riders were really keen some not so keen and one rider came up to me and went I don't believe in, in in psychology. I don't believe in this. It is a, it's a load of hoo-ha. And I just looked at him and I thought, <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought, you know, the, the psychology is, it is, it's a study of the mind and our behaviours. Sports psychology is the study of the mind and behaviour, but also in a sports setting and how it, it, it implicates sport. So when, when someone was so against it, I, I I really tried to find, you know, understand why they they thought that. But then it, it it might be down to education. It might it might be down to 
well, this is an alien thing, psychology. Oh, that's very Freudian. That's very Pavlov. Like that's at the beginning. Yes, it's like, I think as soon as you mention psychology, then people talk about it's mental health and mental well-being. And I know that sort of as riders, I think we were talking to Lucy from Supercarb and there are a few other people and a few other things that we've seen that are supporting sort of ex-jockeys, for example, that come at a racing and are struggling with their mental health and things like that. But I, yeah, it, it's been quite a recent, like the last sort of, I wouldn't want to say 12 months, but you know maybe not five years ago that, that people were at that point whereas yeah you say psychology and it's instantly maybe attuned with mental health which again still although there's been a lot of research mainstream and a lot of impetus put on talking about mental health and mental well-being there is still that stigma attached like you said earlier oh completely and in in society at the minute i mean there's there's been a big push on mental health recently <laughs> last 12 months and that's probably one variable why we're starting to see that in sports but it's still quite a it's still quite a stigmatized thing i mean you only need to look about three four five years ago and there was only mainstream sports or your more shall we say in quotations your more popular sports maybe Mm -hmm. your formula one maybe your your boxing maybe your your football that's when we start to see sports stars talk about it but then they were the people were put into two camps. Oh, they shouldn't talk about it, or oh, what are you talking about? It meant you know, mental health, get over it. So it's yeah. but when we look at there compared to now, it's completely changing. People are becoming more acceptance or accepting of of mental health. And and I'd I'd hope to think that your riders or your your listeners would uh, would would definitely relate to that. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing. So obviously you had that chap that was like, oh, no, there's basically no such thing or sports psychology. How, basically to summarise, how do you think that sports psychology helps the everyday rider or any rider for that matter in general? Well, it's very much about helping you go 10% above where you believe you can go. And when we say 10%, oh, that's very small, but actually the Mm -hmm. impact of it is is completely significant. It is very significant. So in the 70s, there was research that actually found that mental preparation, psychology, is 80% of our output compared to the physical 20%. So if you think you're in a ring and you're doing all this performance, 20% of that is only on the physical exertion. The other 80% is how you support yourself, how you prepare. So we know that the study of, of psychology has a great importance to you but also it has certain areas of transferability so what you learn in in psychology and clinical psychology and sports psychology it's all pretty much the same in terms of how it can support your riders and your listeners and what you can do in learning sports psychology can be transferred across into your other lives so for example the u.s military is actually using sports psychology now in terms of goal setting visualization self-regulation techniques such as positive self-talk to boost themselves going forward into having higher performance and what we're actually seeing is compared to a three-year average the this group that we're using um sports psychology originally they had something like 14 points above where they normally were and that's from a sports psychologist when they used it themselves the year pre a year after actually it only dropped by two points from that 14 point you know right. uh, yeah so you're giving them the tools and then that they were able to use the year after and just providing them with the tools the year before 
it stays with people and they were able to apply it. Is that what you're saying? Completely, yeah. And that's just one study and that's that's more of an organisational. But for your, when, when we give these tools to, to athletes, to riders, they'll be able to keep these tools for the rest of their life because you'll be able to use other areas such as if you're having nerves in the ring, then we can use positive self-talk breathing techniques if we go down the the area of the chimp paradox which is a whole different bag altogether you can use this for public speaking it's the, the, the physiology is the same but how we can control ourselves is completely uh, com- uh, it, it's different yeah yeah no that's really interesting so what are the main things um to do with obviously questions that you get approached about what are the main training, you know, what, what are the main sort of challenges, I guess, that riders face, would you say, from your experience? Yeah, it's it's a very good question. And there's no story is the same, but there are there does tend to become common themes. And a lot of my riders come to me and they say, well, I just get a mental block. Something is just stopping me. I'm, I'm losing my confidence. I'm losing my bottle. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What, I, I don't know what it is. And when we, I, we like to do something in, in sports psychology called motivational interviewing. So we like to find a bit out more about you and you can find a bit more about us. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to just, just look under the surface, just, just a little bit, just trying to find out what could be the, the cause. Because if we're getting these mental blocks, that is the, the symptom of whatever it is and it could be something that we've associated maybe an accident that we had many many um, many years ago it could be something in childhood it could even be as something as choking under pressure which is we are constantly thinking about potentially what other people we think other people are saying about us so we could be in a ring doing a dressage test we can be in a ring doing a show jump test whatever something like that and you're more worried about two people looking at you talking than yeah. actually focusing on, on the, the task at hand and yeah. it's it's coming under control and the controllables so even from that question that we've we've spoken about there so even if w- w- what we're talking about in that question there we can already see evolution or a snowball effect of certain areas that we we can address and then we can create a, a term of intervention and what we're trying to do is help the athlete train their mind to overcome areas that they may have felt they weren't able to to overcome before. Can you give us any examples of where you've worked with a rider to maybe overcome anything? Not obviously not asking you to name names. Um, but yeah, uh, where you've where you've worked with a rider to sort of give us an example. Yeah, so the there was um a rider I, I worked very recently with and uh she was a good eventer. You know, she, she competed to a, to a good standard and she just had a string of, of being unlucky with, with different horses. And she got this new one. It was a good horse, a very good horse. And people turned to her and saying, well, I hope you're going to do this with that horse. I hope you're going to do that. I hope you're going to take it eventing, do it what this previous owner has done. And she felt like she had to have this expectation. Pressure. pressure. That- I think that's really common actually. Um, feeling shall we say not good enough for the horse exactly feeling yeah. that we're letting the horse down and yes. we all get it and then mm-hmm. when we end up going into a bit of a a bit of a, a lull or a, or a trough you know we, we feel like well what's the point of doing this as yeah. soon as we get yeah. to that point we we just we just feel 
rubbish about ourselves and yes. we don't take a mental check of our own well-being and the one thing that we don't do in equestrian sports is we don't write down where we started where we are now and actually our transition to where we've come from we we, we just tend to look at things in in the present in the here and now and one thing that I've, I've seen a few riders, I know I've got a, on, on for a bit of a tangent, but one thing I've seen a few riders do is, oh, I'm feeling bad. What must I do? I must go and buy myself a new expensive jacket, a new pair of expensive boots, because that'll make me make me feel happy about myself. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, I, I don't know if, if that's something you've seen. I've seen it and I've done it myself and I've not just done it for horses. Like genuinely, like before, obviously lockdown, like if I was like feeling like dreadful and having a really bad day, I would say to myself, I'm just going to go and have a walk around TK Maxx and buy myself something because I knew it would make me feel better. I do understand a little bit of the psychology as to why it makes you feel like that because it's instantly in your, in your, you know, your reward system thing. You bought yourself something so then you, you know, you start to you feel good about the purchase or whatever you bought so that gives you a temporary, like eating chocolate, I guess, would. It gives you a temporary high and then you might get buyers remorse or whatever you afterwards but yeah no legitimate oh and I've done it myself I'm guilty of it myself in horsey um I I was very nervous and struggled with my confidence for a while and if you ask Amy sort of co-host with me I'd be like oh well I've just bought this body protector I've just bought this special strap for my saddle I've just bought this I've just bought that I've just bought socks and they're gonna make me feel like I'm a better rider and you know maybe temporarily if you're handing your money over you purchase anything you get that instant sort of endorphin rush of, of doing it but then afterwards it doesn't really change anything <laughs> exactly and the i mean I, i've just been work, um doing a course for the i, I will get back to your original question no, don't worry <laughs> i've actually just um, been doing a course from yale university on the on um, the science of well-being and what we tend to think of as retail therapy is very materialistic if we if we're feeling a bit down we, we'll go to the shops we'll go and buy ourselves some expensive boots or we'll go and buy ourselves like a crate of yeah. beer or gin or whatever <laughs> not a crate of gin that'd be, that'd be pushing it but <laughs> More problems there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we have this materialistic vibe of it's that instantaneous, but we don't tend to have the happy memories of that. What we do tend to have happy memories of if, is if we have an experience, spending time away at a show, spending time on holiday, actually investing in time. And this is one thing that I try and – well, I was actually uh, speaking to this rider – about having that mindfulness, spending more time with a horse, creating more further a bond, because when you know when we when when we sell a horse or when unfortunately when when we lose horses, we always think about the times that we have together, and it's yeah. that sentimental side of things that actually produces our wellness and our improved well-being. And with this rider, we ended up looking at improving her well-being, improving her bond between her and a horse, but also getting her to control the controllables. I wanted her to look at the different thoughts that were going on in her head and also what her actions were on that, just her innate actions. And it comes from a fight or flight. You know, we we might go down to the yard and we might see someone who who might be a little bit intimidating towards us. Maybe they, they've got a bit more extensive knowledge or, or perceived extensive knowledge and we think, oh, well, it, they're watching me and they know this more. They're judging me. Well, actually, yeah, it's we. it doesn't matter what... All that. I think that's a massive thing, sorry, um, to interrupt. 
yeah, I think that there's not one person listening or one person that's ever ridden a horse that hasn't got on the horse either at a livery yard or at a competition or at a show and not the mind has not gone back to, oh, my God, such and such is watching and that's putting me under more pressure or you're allowing that to put you, you're putting yourself under more pressure because that person's watching. Exactly. And it comes back down to confidence and we that that person might be watching, but we can't control them if they're watching us. We can't control what their thoughts are. We can't control what they say. Well, if we can't control it, what does it matter? One rider I worked with in, um, in when I was doing my MSC, she's she's a, a three star eventer now, and she was telling me that she was getting stuck in the medium in the medium inventing, and the reason that she was getting stuck was because she kept thinking on the cross country course that person's watching me the other person's watching me they're judging me and she was more yeah. concerned about people watching on a cross country course than in the dressage test which is actually more subjective and yeah. she was because at the higher end level um events big names aren't you that you know walking the course and doing that course with you yeah yeah exactly and when we think about what other people are actually thinking about us we're not focusing on the task at hand and it, it what causes paralysis by analysis and when we overthink it can yeah. stop all of that processes in our mind in our brain and then we're focusing on other things that don't matter apart from the task at hand and i've done it and i'm sure you may you know yourself have oh, done it and all the time all the time like i think this is going to be such a common thing yes definitely i think we all do what was it paralysis by analysis that's one of the best terms i've ever heard for it but that is exactly <laughs> it yeah and it, it is that and it's it's so difficult because we're overthinking so it's you it's like when you are going into an exam and you're thinking, oh, my word, what are all these different questions that they could give me? I don't know what I'm going to get. And you get a question that just makes your mind go blank. And you think, yeah. oh, my God, what's going on? And then, I don't know, you've got Umbrella by Rihanna stuck in your head. That, was what, that happened to me when I was in year 11. <laughs> um, I, I completely just blanked. And it is a mind block. And it's because we're just overanalyzing everything rather than taking a step back and looking in ourselves and looking at where we can go forward and how we can we can address certain things and it's difficult because it's really difficult for us to look in it's difficult to be objective isn't it like you can't sort of see yourself from the outside so it's really easy to sort of yeah you can't be objective it's impossible i think in some respects it's yeah yeah, it's it's because it's we we see it as vulnerability, and it's so difficult, and it's so natural. Um, coming back to the, the the chimp paradox, the right in the centre of our brain is something called the amygdala, and that has been with us since we first sprouted legs and right. we walked on land, and it's in our reptilian brain. So the brain's got three different levels. You've got the reptilian, you've got the mammalian and neomammalian, which is where we are now, the, the, the fully developed brain. And as the brain's developed, kind of difficult if I don't, if I don't have like a slideshow to show you, uh, as the brain's developed, the neurological pathways have developed from the amygdala to the front of our brain. That where our forehead is um, at the, at the frontal lobe, mm -hmm. the, amygdala has got that reach it's almost like a hand reaching out and holding like onto an apple it, it, it's almost almost like that so 
everything that happens in our life, the amygdala or the chimp will always have power over you, especially in the first couple of seconds. It's always a natural fight or flight. And yeah. basically, if we, if we feel that we're being threatened because it could be something we can't control or it could be something that we don't like, well, then our natural defense mechanism our primitive defense mechanism will take over now the how does this affect the frontal lobe the frontal lobe is what we call the thinking part that the human brain and that's what makes all the decisions now the human brain and the chimp are com- they're constantly at each other and when we see in the show ring when people maybe bottle it or they get frustrated mm-hmm. or they have a bad round and then they get off the horse and you can see they're in a really grumpy mood. That is yeah. the chimp over and it's completely natural, but it's how we train our brain because unfortunately we don't have a manual for the brain. It's something mm-hmm. that's constantly evolving, constantly moving forward. And if we had a manual to our brain, well, we'd be the best thing since sliced bread. <laughs> <laughs> Make life easier. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. And it's because it's something we, especially as, as riders, we can't, we, we feel we, we may not be able to control if we don't know about it, then we may think, why am I doing wrong? Why have I got this mental block? What's going on? Because the brain is, the, the chimp's telling you, don't go and ride, stay home, have a gin. It's a lot safer. When actually right. you can turn around and say, well, let's see what it's like. I want to go in and have fun. And then the chimp goes, oh okay we'll talk about this after you've had fun for example (laughs) right okay no that's really interesting so you can sort of train yourself out of those behaviors most definitely by sort of like you said overriding that that chimp that we've all got inside us that yeah that's but is that so is that not there for safety in some respects why why are we having this battle uh, that is it's an evolutionary thing so as i mentioned before it's a defense mechanism and it's our when we when we were in the jungle way way back we'd come across either a predator or a prey and if it was a predator we would have this either stand and fight Mm -hmm. or we run away in flight and as the brain has evolved that has evolved with it and that's come from the bang center in the middle of a brain in called the amygdala and unfortunately the human brain hasn't evolved as much to one day living so we're seeing very primitive primeval primordial brain taking over what is considered quite a sophisticated brain in where we are now and it's about understanding that it's natural to have these feelings it's understanding that do get these thoughts we do get these feelings it's how we address it and it's what we call you know our irrational side versus our rational side and if we feel that we are in control of our rational side even if we get the thought of oh my word this is scary i can't do this well that's when we bring in self-regulation techniques such as positive talk and breathing techniques etc I understand so it's yes it's about the rational side of your brain and so obviously when the other side kicks in it's about you having and what sports psychology I'm presuming helps you to do is to develop the rational side like you say through self-talk and through 
other tools, I'm sure. Um, yeah, to, so that when, when that pipes up, yeah, you can acknowledge it and have a listen, but then you've equally got something to sort of come back and combat it with. Yeah, exactly. And this is, I mean, I, I'd, I'd like, um, this is something for, yeah, for your listeners. This is something in psychology that happens from the grassroots, the recreational riders and athletes, all the way up to the super elite. The most prominent one I can I can I can mention is is Mo Farah at the 2012 Olympics. He yeah. went from winning the 10,000 meter race going forward into the 5,000 meter race. Now we think, okay, it's, it's 5,000 meters less, but it's a completely different race. Train completely different to the way you do a ten thousand meter. Yeah. In his in his mind, and there is a video somewhere on on um, on YouTube. In his mind, he's thinking, "I can't do this. Completely different race. Other people are going to be better than me. I'm going to be humiliated if I lose this because I just yeah. won a ten thousand meter." And that's his chimp turning around. It's almost uh-huh. his, it's yeah. Did you see where I'm going now? Yes, 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 yes. So putting that self date in. So does more talk about how he got through that? Indeed, yeah. I actually, um, I, I got chatting to his uh, to his sports psychologist a couple yeah. of years after actually, yeah. um, when I was on a, on a military camp. The, um, the what we found was he put a, t- a towel over his head as he was sat down before the race, and he was talking to his chimp or talking to himself, saying, "I can do this." I've I've trained for more than this, and he had certain cues and certain areas he wanted to, wanted to, wanted to, wanted to do, and yeah. um, he thought right I'm going to get myself, he psyched himself in for the race. Yeah, so yeah. he got to the final hundred meters, and you can see this on on um, on YouTube. He looks back six times, and from what I found out from him talking to a psychologist mm-hmm. um, just after, he said, "How many times did you self doubt?" And Mo Farah turned around and said, six times. And you can see him turning around, checking where his competitors wow. are. Yeah. Wow. It- That's amazing. That's really interesting. Right. So even more Farah guys, come on, there's hope for us. Yeah. But <laughs> that's, well, that's interesting. That's interesting. So did he so did he know without watching back and how many times he'd look back that he had, you know, in his own mind he'd checked six times? He knew he checked back six times, but when he was just before the first time he looked back, his chimp was saying, "You're not going to win. Give up. They're going to overtake you." And so then by looking back, he was reassuring himself that no, you're wrong. I'm right, and keep going. Exactly, exactly. Right. And right. that was almost like a regulation technique for him. And this, so this is one example at an elite level. But you can bring this forward right into the dressage test or the event or you know the eventing field or the show jumping arena when charlotte goes into the charlotte sergeant goes into her dressage arena mm-hmm. when she goes in she doesn't look at the the audience the spectators she doesn't look at the outside arena all she sees and she mentally blots this out all she sees is the arena and the judges, and what she wants to do. Right. So she, it's almost like a, a lens blotting out everything. So mm-hmm. your focus is where you are at this time. So what she is able to do is she's not being distracted by something outside the arena. She's completely focused on what the task is at hand. And Natasha Baker was doing this as well. Uh, Natasha Baker, Barker? 
I think I mispronounced yeah. her name. <laughs> um, she, she, I remember watching one of her, her lectures and she was saying she was having a real issue when she was going into the dressage test because she would look, literally look at all the audiences and she'd think, oh my word, there's so many people here. What's going on? And yeah. spoke to a psychologist and they came up with a plan of, okay, for when you're going into the, the outside of the ring or you're in the shoot, look at the arena for all the spectators for 10 seconds. Take it all in. And yeah. then as soon as you hit that 10 second mark, that's it. They do not matter. You don't yeah. care about them because they can't control you. You can control what you're doing in the there and then. And it's keeping that focus back to yourself rather than having, oh my word, what's going on? Everyone's looking at me, all these distractions. And then we end up getting a, a very heightened person. And then if our brain is fuzzy and it feels fuzzy because we forget to breathe, well, mm-hmm. the brain is affecting the body. If we forget to breathe, our legs seize up, our, our, our arms seize up, our back seize up. And then that transfers to the horse. And the horse is going, why, why are they seizing up? What's going on? Are we, go- are we going on the gallops? So it's, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's, we can see this domino effect going on. So it, it all starts with our mindset and our, our mind frame and where we go, for, um, where we start out from. That's so interesting, Dan. Like... <laughs> really informative like so interesting to hear and, and to just like I said I, I question any rider having listened to that that hasn't felt some of the things at some point in their sort of riding career or you know whatever they're doing with the horses uh, yeah there's not one person listening I don't think that wouldn't have, have experienced some of what you've touched on um so interesting so good we definitely we've chatted in the past haven't we and i'm hoping that you're going to sort of come on and start doing a bit of a feature for our our riders maybe giving them some tips on the show and if anybody's sort of got any questions or any help or advice um they can contact you can you know you you do this you do do this you go out and you see people tell us a little bit about where you're based and how people can contact you yeah, certainly. So, first of all, I'm more than happy to to come back and do like features. If you if you get on like a uh, a monthly feature ad where there's hints and tips, I can I can give your listeners if they like it. I'm happy to, yeah. to chat as, um, to answer questions as well. Um, so, I'm based in in the northwest of England. I'm uh, based in Lancashire, and I'm happy to go out across the entirety of the north. Obviously, if it gets below Birmingham onwards, it's it's a little bit of uh, extra time, so <laughs> other costs would, would be incurred. But if people want to get in touch with me, they can either get in touch on my, my Facebook, which is DP Sports Performance Psychology, and also my Twitter, which is Daniel underscore Petho. They're probably the best ways to to get in touch with me. My website isn't up just yet, um, but like I say, they're, they're probably the the best ways. Oh, also, I've got um, Instagram, which is um, DP Sports Psychology. For your athletes, one big tip is if they're going back out into competition. Please don't think that they're competing against other people. I know that sounds really counterintuitive, but you are the only competition. That person in the yeah. mirror that you're looking at is the competition. It's not a race against your peers. This is your journey. Um, we all become better horsemen, horsewomen, if we focus on ourselves and our own journey and do it for, for us rather than 
competing against our peers. Because I know, especially in the younger riders, that's something that's always going to be a big factor. I've got to beat them. I've got to do this. I've got to do the other. Yeah. It's it's a journey. It's not a race. And finally, it's coming back into competition. Please don't rush back into competition. Rather than mm-hmm. thinking it's a it's returning of the season. Forget about that. Think of it as a new season. So what do you do in a new season? Well, you spend time preparing for it. You spend time training. If you rush back, and this is across all sports, if you rush back into something too quickly, you're more likely going to be prone to injury or setting yourself up for a fall. And that is something we never want in in our in our sports athletes. We always want them to have fun and to remember why they first started in that sport the the reasoning and what what made them give them what gave them that warm fuzzy feeling about starting and enjoying themselves yeah i think that's the amazing point as well like just enjoying yourself i think it's so easy like even as an amateur rider myself like working with you know maybe a young or a new horse and you can very easily forget to enjoy yourself like my friend Amy, co-host, she's always telling me, like, we're enjoying ourselves, enjoy ourselves. We're just here to enjoy ourselves. Um, but yeah, I think I think that, especially as you get older and you're an adult and everything's rush, 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 rush. You like you sort of you're there and there's a task and you want to accomplish something. But yeah, you're not very much in the moment enjoying yourself. So that's a really good message to send out, 100%. Exactly, and I think especially with with the coronavirus and what's going on, life has gone from very very busy to complete standstill. So. I hope in these unprecedented times that there's been some good coming out of that in terms of we can actually start to think about ourselves and reflect on where we've come from and how we can go forward in a productive manner and a positive manner. Yes, no, definitely 100%. Oh, Dan, thank you so much. That's been brilliant. Oh, thank you very much for having me. (laughs) A massive thank you to Dan there for coming on the show. We're very confident that you will have taken something away from that interview because we most certainly did some of the issues that he's touched on there and hopefully we'll come back on to discuss in the future are definitely not uncommon ones um i think we've all felt some of the things is that he went through in the interview most definitely so we hope that you guys found that helpful informative and interesting that leads us nicely on to our little bit of a shout out guys we do need people to come on the show we want you we've updated the website if you go to show notes you will see that there is now a little box for show guests we're looking for equestrian businesses we would like a bit of a behind the scenes look we're looking for equestrian professionals we would like a day in the life of and we are looking at everyday questions as well that is you guys we want to know sort of a bit more detail about you and your horses your account and what you get up to we love sort of following Amy to the different places, but we are pretty much based in Lancashire and with restrictions at the moment. We are also looking for correspondence to cover a broader area. We do want to know about other farm rides and other things that are going on within other areas in the UK. So if anybody sort of wants to be a bit of a correspondent there, please do give us a shout if you just want to do a one-off or, you know, do feel free to enter our brand ambassador search as well. Um, But anybody with any interesting content, we want to hear from you. We are also looking for a rider rant. These can be anonymous. We just thought this might be a little bit of fun. Um, A little bit like the rider reviews, only this is the rant. It can be a better thing, a place, a product. We don't want to get personal and nasty with anybody. Um, But yeah, just if there's something that's been a little bit bit of a bugbear or you've seen something that was a bit, oh, 
um, it does, you don't have to put your name to it. It can be anonymous. We won't get into anything libelous. So if you just want to contact us with what you've got, um, we will let you know. If it's not appropriate to use, obviously we won't use it. But yeah, we want to know what you love as well as what you love. So if you've got anything interesting to say there, please do let us know. We're going to go next into our rider review. Again, we're looking for more of these guys. Please come back to us with the rider review sort of two to five minutes on, on a product that you absolutely love and then on from that we've got our social media shout outs so yeah stay tuned for those towards the end of the show as always give us a like and a follow on instagram and check out the website thehostfeeduk.co.uk hi uh this is um the instagram uh, floyd buckley humphreys 2009 and i'd like to do a ride review on dressage saddles generally not any particular brand um so Floyd is um, a sort of about 15 hand Welsh section D, um, really big shoulders, um, quite big moving. And um, I've had him since he was 21 months old. We've always just had a GP saddle. So um, I've done a lot of jumping in it. Um, I've done some low level dressage competitions in it and never had an issue with it. It's really comfy. Um, it's lasted him for years. Obviously we've had the saddler out and it's been reflocked and moved about. And for a few years, I've been thinking about getting him a dressage saddle um, just to kind of see how he went in it to sit me a little bit better and hopefully to help us with our dressage. Um, but I've always put it off um, thinking that, you know, I've got a really decent saddle. I don't particularly need another one. You know, what am I going to do with it? That kind of thing. Um, but I decided to um, bite the bullet and go for it. Um, so I went to our saddler um and i was able to get him a second hand one um a frank baines one and um i've ridden him in it a few times now since we've got it and it's brilliant um he goes so so much better in it he is really big moving in it he um you can really feel him striding out over through his back much more responsive i think because my legs are further back i've only got short legs like i'm five foot two um so I, it sits me up um and yeah he, he just feels amazing so i wanted to do the review really just to say that you know if anyone's in that position where they're kind of thinking you know i'd quite like to try a dressage saddle but i'm not sure whether i'll use it i'm not sure whether you know i i always used to think we're not at a high enough level or you know all those kind of things i would just say if you're in a position to get one and you're thinking about it go for it um it really really has made a difference to us a massive thank you to cheryl there that's floyd buckley humphreys 2009's mum on instagram she does an amazing review and that is the second one i believe that she has done for the show we really appreciate it we love our loyal listeners and those that get involved as we keep saying to you guys we are always on the lookout for rider reviews and also now rider rants which can be anonymous if you're interested in taking part or coming on the show head over to the website thehorsefeeduk.co.uk and check out under show notes if you look show guest it will give you some more information so we just want to do some shout outs now we're going to kick off with instagram samantha osborne equestrian a brilliant account to follow sammy's absolutely lovely she's guest hosted on the show for us and she does a mind a minute of mindfulness every monday brilliant really worth checking out and just such relevant interesting content Haley turner we had a message off bella dot the unicorn x hi bella we hope that you're having a great week we said we'd give you a shout out on the show also saying hello to galloping geldings we had an amazing chat with sharon at warren farm yesterday she is the owner of galloping geldings and we're trying to twist her arm to get her to come back on the show to 
give us some insider product information. Um, Amy Boland, give her a follow. Amy Boland's Native Ponies. Menai Celtic Warrior, My Menai Pony. The Cobbs and Me, Broken Eventer, Arena Northwest Magazine, Cantley Box, Kath Jones, Cara, Laura Cutter, Natalie Alexander, Windsor Great Park Carriages, Super Cobb Apparel, Georgie and Bonnet from Dressage Sisters and Keep It Country Kate. Kate's um, blog is hilarious and we love the videos that she does, so do check out Keep It Country. So yeah, they're the shout outs from Instagram. Let's head over to Facebook and see what's been going on over there. We need to engage a little bit more on Facebook, I think, and sort of get out there and start chatting to you all a little bit more and we will we do intend to start running some competitions soon we're just waiting for some merch that we've ordered to arrive and then we will get started on that so yeah a big hello to um joanne dyson stephanie lush marie Bucamp, angela stevenson rachel barnett charlotte green leslie g deborah ha carol gent amy bolin colette briley and Jenny Slovenian, thank you so much for following, liking and getting involved with us on Facebook. We really do appreciate it. And of course, do head over to Digital Horse as well to um, carry on your, your pony. I call it Facebook for horses, Digital Horse. I absolutely love it. I don't know if I'm, if I'm being a bit naughty saying that. Um, but yeah, we absolutely love Digital Horse. Um, if you're a bit thingy about bothering everybody else with your equestrian doings on um facebook and stuff maybe use it for things i mean some people don't care i don't care um but some people are using it for work as well then digital horse you you, you can just do it all on here so we're just going to say hello to some new users on digital horse we've got charlotte wrightson cecily Bookflash, evelyn may beth hibbert sarah keen alice cook beth griffith salter lucy trapp Isabel Coventry, Chelsea Jackson, Emma Downs, Jamie Boyd, Lucy Noble, Diane Fisher, Bethany Davis, Hannah Emerson, Lola Fisher, and Kira Jefferson. Hi guys, welcome to Digital Horse. We hope that you're enjoying Facebook for Horses and we look forward to engaging with you guys soon. So until next time, keep in touch with us. Let us know. Hashtag at the horse feed UK. Uh, hashtag and at the horse feed UK. Let us know what you've been up to. We keep saying this. We can't say it enough. Without you guys, there is no show. Please get in touch. Let us know what you've been doing. So remember, guys, you can listen to this and every episode of the podcast for free online over at the website, thehorsefeeduk.co.uk. You can also enter our brand ambassador search for free and our Christmas cover star competition. That's an amazing little competition. And for £2.50, all proceeds go to support the running of the show. And you can win a Horsefeed UK branded hoodie, sash rosette and a £100 surprise Christmas box as well. So do check out over there. Hashtag us in your entries for both. Um, give us an art. Show us what you've been up to. And until next time, happy riding and take care. Hello, baby.